0: Welcome to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Here with me today is Jay Solomon, and Jay is a natural resources environment and energy educator. How are you doing today, Jay? Oh, doing very good. Glad to, glad to have a chance to talk to you, Gavin. Yeah, happy to have you on here as always. Uh, so today's topic is we're going to be talking about American songbirds and uh, the benefits that they get from livestock grazing. Uh, so our first question here is, what brings us to a discussion about American songbirds? Well,
1: there's a a couple of things. One, at least up here in the northwest corner, it's been a pretty nice summer for for enjoying some of the songbirds, and it's one of our, you know, one of our natural resource things we get to enjoy is is hearing them singing and whatnot. When, especially like this year, we've had and especially this last week or so, had uh, windows open in the evenings and nights, and and hearing them hearing the music and the background music they create for us is something we kind of take for granted, but it's something we all can also enjoy. Because like say, they are that background sign, sound that we hear from nature most of the time. Uh, and we kind of tend to take them for, for granted, although we've thought about them and you know, we feed the birds and those kinds of things. But uh, some recent projects that I've been involved with in the last about three years and really culminated uh, this summer Give me a chance to learn a little bit more about some of the challenges with some of these songbirds. And I thought it was a good time to kind of share some of what I'd learned and as a precursor to the uh, research that's going to be uh, released here shortly and we'll build on it from there. So that research group, uh, and there's some research being done by several different groups and over the several years that uh, kind of the project I was involved with was built on. Uh, included uh, research from groups like the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that found the, you know, American songbirds, as we know, some populations have been on the decline. Some populations are somewhat more stable. Others have been increasing, which is what we really like to see. Um, due to conservation efforts and such as some of our habitat management, some things we've done to to protect those species and then maybe change some of the chemicals and things like that uh our, obviously our work with uh, pollinator plants and that kind of stuff has increased the insect populations which in turn helps songbirds out and has stabilized some of that in some areas and, and actually have increased and many of these are you know we've got some of them that are starting to thrive and do very well in, especially in some of our uh timber savanna and, and tall grass areas However, the same research identified a specific group that's not done well over the last few years. And it seems that there's some birds within this that are not, that, that are not doing well, and they don't thrive in these undisturbed prairies and undisturbed timber, where we've created more timber, more prairie uh, undisturbed prairie locations. They're not really gaining from that. And what we found that the, what the researchers found is the common thread with most of this group is they prefer have a preference for short grasses or forbs and more open area near the ground. Doesn't mean necessarily shorter grass plants, but things that have been mowed down or or, or taken down in some nature. You know, many of these are ground nesting species that need that open space for raising their young, and that's where our populations are not coming up the. The the male, the uh, the adults are doing fine, but they're just not getting the the young uh, young being raised and the next generations being created. Um, many of these species developed as in habitats created by the roaming buffalo and and elk herds. Um, you know, as these large animals graze down the areas and moved on to another area, um, the birds kind of would follow them and take advantage of that open area that had been created and, and uh, would nest, raise their young and then move on to where in the next area where those, those herds were, were at. So that's kind of what got me to where I'm at now within why I thought it was a good, good thing to talk a little bit about.
0: So why are we talking about birds and livestock grazing? Well, as
1: as was just concerning. one of the things interesting, the, the interesting piece of the research that uh, uh, brought us to this point, um, <laughs> the researchers were able to look at when they, when they identified that group that was not thriving well, and that group being the, the short grass, uh, pretty well grassland birds, um, they were able to link uh, some of the declining populations to areas that had declining or reduced amount of grazing land over the same time period. So what they would look at is some specific populations on a localized area uh, were declining uh, in what had been previously fairly healthy uh, populations in this area is uh, particularly, we look at things here in Illinois uh, and in the Midwest where uh, ground was taken out of grazing and out of pasture production and put back into, put into corn or soybean production over the last few years. Um, those areas where they're seeing declines in these, these specific types of birds. Uh, in other areas where the grazing has been pretty consistent, um, think about some of the, the dairy area up in Wisconsin, they don't see uh, on a localized basis that much decline in the bird populations. And so that's what got them to looking at this and going, okay, what's the synergy there? Um, you know, so what realized that there was some benefit to the grazing and having livestock as part of that that system that created a healthy ecosystem for those birds. We think about it, um, you know, we no longer have the the roaming herds of buffalo and elk moving through this area in particular and through the main part of the the corn soybean, the corn belt. the the great plains as they once were Um, and we've altered that ecosystem so what are the ways that we can provide uh, active management to create a more beneficial habitat for these birds and livestock grazing turns out to be one of those things that we can do to do that
0: so how can we manage grazing lands to help support grassland songbirds
1: To some extent, it's no different than what we've learned and what we look at from doing uh, managing pastures for livestock production. In other words, manage them for for maximizing the the grass production and the livestock production off of it. Also, tends to move in the same positive direction for um, some of our for our songbirds. It depends a little bit on which specific bird species we may be working with, because there's some general things we've identified and are are at least starting to get an idea about um, that we can set up the rotation a little bit better to provide for those those birds and still provide for the animals. Um, One of the general things is we need a good rotational grazing pattern that doesn't overgraze the area and especially during early summer or into the mid and late summer where you've got those, uh, those nestlings trying to nests being created, the eggs, and then the, then the young trying to get them up and out so they're on their own. Um, ideally, we would like to keep and create grass zones that vary from our, our taller grasses. And in this case, we're thinking 10 inches or higher. Um, not necessarily tall grass uh, as in the tall grass prairies, which can be, you know, three, four, five feet, feet tall. Uh, some mid-level grass, which would be the the six to 10 inches and some short grass in some places, um, the three to six inches. These zones benefit some of our different species and activities and stages of life. Um, you know, Tall grass is good for attracting the pollinators pollinator or insects and the, and the seeds which are the food for our adults and also they can use that for feeding the young uh, short grass is better for the young to learn to find food learn how to fly um, and some of our mid-level grass is better for or some of our birds uh, a little bit better for protecting the nest and the young from predators and gives them a place to hide kind of keeps them out of sight um, so we really need to kind of generate some of all of these spaces in that, and that's what, with a good rotational grazing, we actually end up creating that um, just by the by the method of doing things to allow the grass to regrow on its own. Um, you know, we think about it for some birds, such as the the, the quail, white quail. Uh, we need to think about the grass tops we have out there and the time of year we. It uh, also has a factor of when we're grazing some of the areas. You know, their young in particular is, is, a, is a really good example. They need the open spaces around some bunch grass. So kind of that got a little bit of taller grass, but there's some openings around it where they can move and run and get away from predators. Uh, they also can learn to, to chase down food uh, and catch it. Um, and then some of our birds need need us to graze early and then really keep the animals out of that nesting area. Cause they don't really like to be, be messed with. Uh, they, they know well, got too many cattle in there. Um, they always have the chance of, of breaking the eggs by accident and stepping on them. Uh, but also they just don't like to be disturbed. They, they won't, they want the area clear of anything very territorial. Uh, and so we create some refuge paddocks, which, some ways works really well for us because we go in and graze that early in the spring basically don't mess with it through their nesting period during the summer and it creates us a place to graze uh and some stockpile that actually in that slump that a lot of times occurs about this time of year into the first part of september uh when we run out of pasture now as the birds mature and they're they're leaving the nest we can go back in and think about grazing that, uh, and and so it really works pretty pretty well together. We just need to be really thoughtful about that. And in some cases, those refuge plots really need to be kind of in the center or with the varying things around them. So we have some variation around them for the for the different birds, different pieces of the habitat. You know, however, the whole thing we're looking at managing it correctly. Um, these may provide a little extra, actually may provide that extra fall grazing, but it also provides that habitat for the birds. Uh, we get more population out there of, of the birds in the long term. Um, it's We're still working on some of the, the patterns on some of that. And as I say, one of the things that I learned very quickly from from the orientologist and, and others uh, doing the research was we know the basic principles, um, but kind of need to work at each landowner and what's the, what's the surrounding ground around you uh, for the area providing for those and what animals or what birds are we trying to promote. Um, but the real kind of takeaway is that if we do this, create some exclusion in some areas, some refuge paddocks, they can be a win-win for both of our, both the livestock and, and the, the wild, the native bird populations, you know, uh, the, the big takeaway that I want to leave people thinking about is, uh, often we think of, uh, on the prairie side and and restorations that, Oh, we need to exclude the livestock out of it and livestock are a problem in actuality, if we look at some of these species, total uh, exclusion of the livestock from the land does not really benefit, in some cases it doesn't benefit the, the native plants, it doesn't necessarily mean the animals, and especially some of our bird species. Because we had those native populations of large animals moving through that would graze it down and move on. We've messed with the, the ecosystem it's up to us to come back in and some, provide some management for that ecosystem to recreate what would have been out here in nature to some extent. Uh, and livestock is one of those tools that's in our toolbox to support that management for those native species that we cherish.
0: Jay, thank you so much. That was so much fantastic information. I. I've walked away already with so many things to think about here. Uh, Do you have any additional resources that you'd like to leave us with?
1: Yes. And, you know, unfortunately we're, we're, there is a research paper that should be posted uh, within the next few months. But one of the things is to looking at um, a couple of things that are actually posted uh, with our, our uh, colleagues to the, to the North with Wisconsin, because uh, one of the, people who funded part of our research was with the Fish and Wildlife Service and has got connections, uh, actually is in Wisconsin and has connections to the, the University of Wisconsin. There is a uh, Grassland Birds Fostering Habitats for Rotational Grazing. Uh, I'm sorry, Fostering Habitats Using Rotational Grazing is a is a piece that they have that uh, is actually posted on the uh, the Wisconsin Learning Store. So our our counterpart, West, Wisconsin Extension. Uh, and we can provide that link uh, as part of the the stuff we post. Um, there's also a um, um, one that's more of a of a, natu- of a national publication the that uh, is posted in Minnesota, I believe. Um, but it's the agricultural practices that conserve grassland birds. Um, and it's part of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service publications that they've done. And again, if someone's got a question, I'll be glad to share those links with them.
0: You can also find uh, some of these resource links uh, along with the podcast on the website there, and they, yes. as they will be listed there. So, uh, Jay, thank you so much for this wonderful topic today and appreciate you coming on and uh, talking with us here.
1: Thanks for the opportunity to do it.
0: And that concludes this month's edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.